the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, at your last news conference, uh, you were talking about combing through the video. Now, I'm assuming that that means, you know, you put the video in and, and you go through it. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your process. Sure. Uh, do you run through a video like a game, one play after another? Do you watch each play 11 times to concentrate on each individual uh, on your team? Uh, how do you do that? I, I watch the game multiple ways. Uh, first, I watch it uh, in, by phase. I watch all the offensive snaps in succession. I watch the special team snaps, the defensive snaps in succession. In that time, that's where I'll run the play back, if you will, looking at individual techniques relative to positions and and quality of play of the men. And so I watch it that way. And then when all that's done and noted, uh, I'll go back and watch what I call full game, the game in succession where you see the twists and turns and you watch the units respond to the ebb and flow of the game. How does the offense – do when they get a turnover and you know, presented the ball on the short field? How does the defense perform when they have to defend a turnover and a put on a short field? How does the kicking game accentuate play? Um, are we fi- flipping the field in our punting game, et cetera? And so, you know, there are many lessons to be learned and taught off the tape. And so that's why I watch it differently. When I'm watching that full game, I'm teaching, you know, football awareness and, and, and just overall knowledge of the game and, and so we talk in those ways when we're analyzing it from a full game standpoint. And when we're just looking at the phases themselves, that's when we're looking at our techniques and uh, the quality of work relative to our assignments and things of that nature. So if you notice, for example, an offensive lineman's having a rough night, then do you watch to see, okay, it's his footwork, oh, it's his hand placement, or do you just leave that for maybe his position coach or, or whatever? I think we're all um, – or looking in that way. Um, I watch the video independently and gain independent thought relative to some of those circumstances. And then I meet with parts of the staff and we discuss uh, the game and the men. And I'm always interested in seeing if their perspective mirrors mine or differs than mine. Uh, I value opinions in the process. If we're all thinking alike, man, we're probably not thinking. And so I gain my own perspective. I watch alone and then I, I watch with, with, with units of the staff and talk about their per- perspectives based on what it is that they saw. And, and we go from there based on whether or not we have a shared perspective or whether or not our perspective is different. Uh, how long does it take for you to comb through the video? Independently by myself, I can do it in probably three hours, man. I've, you know, I've honed it to a pretty sharp edge over the years. <laughs> is there anything you skip? Very rarely. Um, sometimes extra points. Um, um, our extra points, if they're not being rushed, you know, um, by the opposing group, um, those just become operational plays, snap, hold, kick, and I might not run those back multiple times, provided nothing catches my eye. Throughout training camp and the preseason process, your quarterbacks have been utilized in this order. Ben, Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, Joshua Dobbs. Is that an accurate reflection of the quarterback depth chart as we sit here right now? There's fluidity in it, man. And, you know, we got a final test here um, tonight, man, in in, in Carolina. And and Haskins is going to get an opportunity to play. Dobbs is going to get an opportunity to play. We're not playing Ben. We're not playing Mason. And and that's probably reflective of their position going into the process. Um, But all quarterbacks have done a nice job. And 
and been professional and represented themselves well and have worked hard to do the things that we've asked them to do. And, and so at the end of this journey, we'll, we'll establish that position in totality. But uh, tonight, man, we're just excited about getting these two guys ready to play. What has Dwayne Haskins shown you throughout this process since you've been able to get him on the field? You know, arm talent um, is a thing that really jumps out at you. You know, uh, his pedigree uh, is very evident really in all circumstances. There's not a throw on the field that he can't make or or doesn't have the confidence in making. Um, largely, he's taking care of the ball throughout the process, and that's been um, that's been good. He's been a fluid decision maker in terms of getting the ball out of his hand in a timely manner. So he's done a lot of good things. Obviously, there's some things – uh, that he needs to continue to work on, and, and they all do um, have those things. But uh, it's been a good process for him. What's the opinion of – what's your opinion of your backup quarterback situation? I mean, you've got four guys. You're going to make some decisions here. You probably go in with three as usual. What's your opinion of your backups? You know, I like the position we're in. Um, I think we have four NFL quarterbacks in our camp. And, um, you know, just based on my experience over the years, man – uh, you can't go wrong when you got four NFL quarterbacks. I think back to the years where we had Byron Leftwich, Charlie Batch, and and Dennis Dixon, and and we were always trying to figure out how to sort through those four guys. And by by circumstance, something always played where we continued that process and we managed those four guys for a number of years. A number of years ago, we've had we had Landry Jones and. Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs, and I thought we had four NFL quarterbacks in the camp in, in that one, and the two young guys really supplanted uh, Landry Jones in that camp. And so uh, I like the fact that we have four NFL quarterbacks in this camp. Uh, it's a good position to be in. Uh, those guys are deserving of how this plays out, and I'd imagine if there's a guy on the outside looking in at the end of this, he's still going to have work in this game at this level. You've already uh, mentioned in, in your show here that Mason Rudolph will not play uh, tonight against the Panthers. Uh, can I take that? Well, should I take that to mean that since Ben is also not playing, that you are certain of the pecking order, at least of the top two, Ben and then Mason Rudolph? You can assume whatever it is you want, but it may be wrong. Tonight's game and September the 12th in Buffalo. Um, you going to go back to like a training camp situation or you're going to treat it like an in-season situation because this, this is unique uh, in terms of um, this kind of break from the end of the preseason to the start of the regular season. You know, at the initial stages of it or the front end of it, we're going to get back into training camp mode. And by that, I mean we're going to pit Steelers versus Steelers and really work to develop three critical areas of our game, uh, knowledge relative to the game or awareness relative to the game. Uh, we work, work on skills relative to our positions and football conditioning. And we feel like Steelers versus Steelers uh, is the best avenue to improve those things. Spot a ball, play certain circumstances, go good on good, uh, have a competitive atmosphere. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to transition and turn our attention at some point in that process toward Buffalo. Um, you announced earlier in the week that Najee Harris would not play tonight. What have you seen from him that makes you comfortable holding him out of this preseason finale? <laughs> uh, succinctly, he's varsity. <laughs> um, you know, he checks the boxes. He's varsity. Did you know that when the preseason started? Did he have to show you anything in those first couple of games for you to come to that conclusion? What he did in stadium is 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 in line with what he did in practice settings, but – 
you know, I wanted to confirm some thoughts and I wanted to provide opportunities for him to take himself through the process to prepare to play. Uh, it's not only the playing of the game, it's the, the process of preparing to play, what it's like to travel and take in meetings and go through the pro- professional process of getting yourself into that stadium and on the field in the helmet. And so, you know, part of his play through this process has been getting familiar with the things that come along with playing as well, not just the playing itself. When you look at that, what you just talked about, the preparing to play, the getting ready, the process uh, on the road, et cetera, is that something that Alabama guys have or is that something that Najee Harris has and he just happened to go to Alabama? You know, I, I think that's why Alabama was attracted to him. You know, some of that stuff God, mom gave him. Can a guy make your team strictly as a returner? You know, the answer is yes, based on history. Um, shoot, Stefan Logan didn't have a position. During individual periods, man, he hung out with the kickers and punters. We didn't know what to do with him. Uh, but obviously he made the team as a dual return man. And, and and so that's just an example of, yes, you know, I guess if you you hold a position long enough and you have that perspective, in it, uh, then you can say yes to a lot of those type of questions. Does a guy have to do what Stefan Logan did in the preseason to make the team, in, in other words, bring one back for a touchdown in a long way? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, splash is what this game at this level is about. And, and from a t- return man perspective, the ability to finish is what, what distinguishes a lot of returners from the elite. So tonight uh, against the, the Carolina Panthers, uh, one of the things that you like to do is as as a player shows you he can perform against the competition that he is with and against, you sometimes elevate him up uh, through the JV ranks, in other words, to see if he's varsity. Uh, might Matthew Sexton um, be in that situation tonight against Carolina? You know, um, we're going to determine that at game time. Uh, we're going to get some return men out there and, uh, and evaluate them in pregame warm-ups. Uh, Ray Ray may get a couple returns tonight. Um, you know, so that's to be determined. Uh, but we're appreciative of the work that he's done thus far, and we'll see what, what tonight holds. Sticking with special teams here just for a minute, uh, usually it's not really much of a competition uh, for the long snapper job. But it seems to me that you really have a competition going. You used Chris Kuntz uh, early in the game uh, at at home uh, against the Detroit Lions. Is that a, a real competition? Is that going to come down to tonight? Put it this way, two years ago we were playing in this game, and and Christian had a sack in the game as an outside linebacker. Uh, he prides himself in being a football player. He asked, could he play some outside linebacker? We said, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> you know, because in this camp, man, he's a legitimate, viable candidate for the snapper position. And so um, it has been extremely competitive. And, and, and he and Cam will have an opportunity to put an exclamation point on their work tonight. What's NFL caliber long snapping to you? Velocity and accuracy. And it's as simple as that. Um, the rules of the game have made girth less of an issue and the ability to block the way the guy's head and neck is protected and, and so forth, both in field goals uh, and in punts. And so the real distinguishing trait about the position is pinpoint accuracy, whether it's field goal snapping or punt snapping and velocity. So the ability to get down, say, the field in coverage. Hey, I, I got nine other guys on that punt unit uh, that are capable tacklers, man. If I'm dependent on the snapper and the punter, uh, we got big problems. Okay, after tonight, what's your procedure getting ready for August 31st? 
you know, um, we're just going to evaluate the tape and let the tape speak. I'm sure there'll be several meetings where we have discussions about perspective on personnel and pecking order and division of labor. Um, there's no timetable on the process. Uh, we just simply roll our sleeves up and, and begin the process of decision-making. League-wide, do you expect a lot of roster moves during those 14 days uh, between you know, the last preseason game and the start of the regular season? I really don't give it a lot of thought, to be honest with you. I won't be surprised if they are. Um, but I, I usually mind my my business, if you will, uh, and focus on us. There's a lot of decisions to be made, and um, not only about um, you know the, the establishing the 53, but the division of labor and the specialization within it. As you move into the regular season, that's just a component of professional football in 2021, and so there's a lot of planning to be done.